0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. Players have already reported for camp. One of them was Kirk Cousins reporting two days early, among a few other veterans who reported in a total, 34 reported yesterday. The rest will report tomorrow. And we're going to talk a little bit about QB1 as Mike Sandoz' NFL quarterback article came out today where he interviews 50 personnel people and has each of them rank these players into tiers, And then he makes a list. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the new tight end from Iowa that just signed with the Vikings, Sean Boyer. And then we're going to talk about the players that we're most excited to see at training camp here over the next few weeks. And I'm going to give my Mr. Mankato pick. So stick around on a wonderful episode of The Real Forno Show.
1: Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge. Contributor. At USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, and founder of Substack, Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Fuckin'. Dave, hello. How are you? I am good. Another wonderful day. We had a cool front move through. It only got to 101 today.
0: I was going to say, that that sounds... uh... That sounds pretty wonderful considering you're down in Austin. We, we were in the mid-80s today. and Well, I had my third to last day at the liquor store. So let me tell you, I am very excited to, you know, to move forward and continue to do this in a full-time space. It is going to be awesome. But, Dave, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Next week, we're going to have training camp practices to talk about. Let me tell you, I am excited for it because we have waited so long. We have talked about so many different topics. Outside of the actual games and practice and just trying to figure out what this team is going to be, and we are so close to finding that out. It's it's a pretty exciting feeling right now. It is. I
1: you know, hope's up, everything's sunshine and rosy. There doesn't seem to be anybody that's seriously injured yet, knock on wood. Other teams are reporting to camp, and players are going instantly on the pup. That doesn't seem to be the case for the Vikings as of now. Let's hope Mm -hmm. it stays that way. That sports science stuff actually works and they all stay healthy. But I'm interested in what you think about not only did the rookies report yesterday on Sunday, but some of the vets did too.
0: The way I look at it, Dave, is – It wasn't – I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. It was a good thing. Um, You hear a lot about, hey, the culture has changed. You know, We're really, really excited. Well, sometimes it can be really difficult to fully believe that because, hey, a new coach comes in, what are you going to do, call him a piece of trash? No, you're not going to bury him publicly. You're going to say the right things, at least initially. And then once things really start ramping up, then you're going to figure out, hey, is this guy real or is he a fraud? But seeing players report to camp early, when you see a lot of veterans doing everything they can to report late, uh, we have uh, Will Compton, veteran linebacker, just announced that he's not going to report to anybody's day one of training camp. Brett Favre spent his two Viking seasons trying to avoid oh. Mankato in training camp. So to see veterans intentionally try to get there early really speaks volumes about this kind of uh, quote-unquote, culture that Quezido Mensa and Kevin O'Connell are trying to build. And it really is completely different from what we saw with Mike Zimmer. And I don't necessarily think Zimmer had a bad culture. It obviously soured um, at towards the end of his tenure. But this is a really good sign. And Vikings fans should be really excited that players want to be in the building longer than they have to be.
1: Yes, it is a good sign. That's better than it was last
0: year. And we want better. Absolutely. We we don't just want better. We want great. We want a Super Bowl before we die, as our friends at Purple Daily like to say. We want to win a title. And it's really that simple. Um, we want to be one of the best teams in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And in order to get there, something had to change. Yes. Um, it's... And the head coach, could that be the change? Who knows? Um, We can hope that this is the right change to really put us in the right direction. It may not be. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about what change might need to be made as I am scrolling through Mike Sando's article. Um, If you don't know who Mike Sando is, he is an NFL um, journalist for The Athletic. And every year, he talks to um, 50 different personnel around the league. Um, From different spaces, you get scouting, you get general managers, you get coaches. And what he does is he asks each person to label quarterbacks into tiers. And there's obviously tier one is, hey, I can drive any car to the finish line. Uh, An analogy we kind of used earlier um, this month. Um, Tier two, you give them a Ferrari. It's all fully souped up. They can take you to the finish line. Tier 3 is where our own Kirk Cousins sits. You give him a souped-up Ferrari, and you hope he can finish. Um, And he is the top quarterback in Tier 3 at number 15 overall. And actually, um, he uh, had a slight increase from last year, going from 2.66 on average to 2.72. He is the top quarterback in Tier 3 after being, I believe, the third or fourth quarterback in Tier 3 behind the likes of Baker Mayfield. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and I think Carson Wentz was in that tier as well. So, when we're talking about Kirk Cousins and what Tier 3 means. So, Tier 3 quarterback is a legitimate starter, but needs a heavier running game and or defensive component to win. A lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. That is how they describe Tier 3. Does that not describe Kirk Cousins? Mm -hmm. It absolutely describes Kirk Cousins. And I'm going to take a little victory lap because... This is exactly who we on the show, we've been saying he is. He is an average starting quarterback. And this puts him slightly above average as there are 32 starting quarterbacks, and he is at 15. Um, I like like Kirk Cousins, uh, his talent. I like his um, calmish demeanor. He doesn't really panic, but he also, at the same time, he's not really a fiery leader. But there are real holes to his game. And we've talked about it time and time again on the show. How is he going to rewire his brain in order to really take that next step with Kevin O'Connell? I have major, major doubts he's going to be able to do that. And it seems like uh, coaches believe the same thing. Um, one GM said, I think he's one of the more accurate passers in the league. For whatever reason, in big moments, big games, he's not able to get it done. Now, because Kevin O'Connell is going there and their offense is going to open up, they'll maximize what he is. Is he Stafford, who had just been in some bad situations? I think he's just a step below. And I would agree with that because I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say that Kirk Cousins is a more talented quarterback than Matthew Stafford because that's just simply not the case. The issue with Stafford has always been the mental game. Can you overcome some of his issues with like how he processes, and he's going to make stupid throws because that's just what Matt Stafford does. He's a gunslinger. He's going to make the big boy throws. Hey, Adam, good to see you. My mailman at my liquor store. Very, very nice gentleman. Really have enjoyed talking to him over the last year. Hey, I appreciate you jumping on. So, Kirk Cousins is a little different. He is too too conservative. He won't make the big boy throw in fear of throwing that interception. Sometimes you have to have that balance. You have to be willing to make that big boy throw and risk the interception because it, on third and eight, in, sometimes an interception when trying to make a big play is okay instead of just throwing a three yard out to CJ Ham. And I know it's not always a three yard out to CJ Ham, but it's We've seen it too it often where he just takes the – Yeah, it does. And it. we've seen it time and time again where he just takes that really safe dump-off throw. And it's very frustrating because Kirk has all the talent. Mm-hmm. He has the talent, Dave, and he does not want to use it. And it's inherently frustrating as a fan and as an analyst that he won't. And this right here, we, we really just need to put this argument to bed. Kirk Cousins is not the sixth quarterback. In the National Football League. If you truly believe he is the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League, I don't know what to tell you. But there's there's something going on well, in your head that is just inherently wrong.
1: Arm talent, I would say, yes, he is up there.
0: I don't think he's even close. Like, if you're talking arm talent, As I don't the, think he, he makes He can the throw top a deep 10. ball.
1: He can throw on target. Mm-hmm. Um, That he is extremely good at. I, wasn't he... Number one or two in uh, deep targets accuracy last year. Mm -hmm. He he is good at that. The problem that I've always stated is when things go off script, that messes with his mind. And that's when things start to go to default. All right. Oh, no, something's wrong. Oh, no, I'm about to be sacked. Oh, no, this. And if he gets sacked a lot, he starts seeing ghosts. And then it goes to, all right, quick. Default, three down, check down to C.J. Ham. Mm-hmm. I do believe physically he's talented enough. It's the, it's the mental part that I hope Kevin O'Connell helps him with. Free that up. Free the thinking. Free the monster that can be Kirk Cousins for this season. We'll see if it happens. Kirk's going to be playing for his next contract, obviously, even though we've got him under contract for 2023 as well. But he's going to be trying to put something on tape. If he can if Kevin O'Connell can unlock that beast mode when it comes up here, he's got the body and the skills to to match that. Which a lot of those quarterbacks in the third tier, or some of even the second tier, mm-hmm. don't have that. So that's why I think it's going to be real interesting to see. And we probably won't see much in the pre season. Because most likely he's not going to get a lot of play in those preseason games. But once the real games start kicking off, we'll see. But we'll get hints of it in these practices. How is he dealing with the situations? Because we know he's got valuable receivers that can catch the ball. So I'm looking forward. You asked in a pre show, what are you excited about? I'm excited to see if there's any changes and Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. As of right now, I don't disagree with he's middle of the pack, and that's because of his mental, um, how he deals with stress and things that are off script. But, physically, he could be one of the best if Kevin O'Connell can unlock whatever it is that gives him some temporary blocks. Uh, Jonas, good to see you from Germany, buddy. If, uh, he says he's a robot. He mm-hmm. likes to execute that. He's very you know, planned. We talked about how he plans out his day in like 10-minute increments or whatever it is. He's got it all on a spreadsheet. He's got to be able to make all that instinctual on the football field. Can Kevin O'Connell get him there? I hope so.
0: I hope so too. And I, I kind of want to address a few things in the comments before we move on and talk about Sean Boyer. Andrew, are you okay with him throwing 18 to 22 picks this year? I don't think that's a possibility and here's why Matthew Stafford is a gunslinger who makes bad decisions and that wasn't going to change coming from Detroit. The thing is what they did in LA with the Rams is they maximized the good ones and they lived with the bad ones knowing that, Hey, he's going to make these bad decisions. We have the defense. We believe that can help him overcome those. And he's going to make enough good ones in those similar situations where it's going to balance out and we're going to be okay. The thing with Cousins, he doesn't have that mentality. And if he decides to open up and become more of a calculated gunslinger than he already is, because we've seen it. Um, We've seen how Kirk Cousins can be a gunslinger. Remember the tie in Green Bay at Lambeau? That was a gunslinger version of Kirk Cousins. He can do it. He's shown he can do it, but he won't do it on a consistent basis. And that is the big issue here. Um, I don't think he's going to throw 18 to 22 picks. I think if he threw 12, Like, let's kind of set that benchmark. If Kirk Cousins throws 12 picks, to me, that sells a couple things. One, they're really opening up this offense and giving Kirk the ability to make those big boy throws. And two, he's willing to make the throws on some form of consistent basis. Because if you look, as you kind of mentioned, Dave, he's one of the top deep ball accuracy passers in the National Football League. Well, the more deep balls he throw the more interceptions you're going to inherently have because that those odds are just going to go up and up and up. And that's okay, and it's to be expected. Brett Favre pushed the ball down the field like a maniac through a lot of picks. You're going to have that, and that's okay to a certain extent as long as you're not throwing, like, for a game. Like, right. there has to be some form of balance. Um, Jonas talking about how he's a robot, and that's what we talked about on the show over and over and over and over again, Dave. It's one of the reasons why he'll never be this uh, sixth-ranked quarterback in the National Football League because he wants everything to be perfect. Jay Gruden talked about it in Washington, and then it it was talked about consistently there and consistently here. You can't expect perfection at the quarterback position. The whole point of being a good quarterback, Dave, is to make the imperfect work. And you're gonna have imperfect all the time. You have to make it work. You have to work outside of structure. Whether that be, hey, I'm gonna be Dan Marino and maneuver in the pocket and just be an absolute wizard at maneuvering just within this tiny bubble, almost like he's standing in a hula hoop and he's just dancing around and making it work. Or you're a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, where you're gonna run around and scramble and make those things happen. You have to be one of those guys. Or you can be a little bit in between. Kirk kind of falls in that in-between. He's not a complete statue, but he's really not a mobile guy that you're going to want to scramble to make things work in the passing game. He's good on controlled boots, controlled play action, where he's on the move and making those throws. But you don't want him to scramble and do it. Like They're just two different things and two completely different mindsets. And when you want things to be perfect, like Kirk does, you just can't expect him to be able to take those things to the next level. And that's why how his brain is wired is so inherently fascinating to me and how it's going to work with Kevin O'Connell because he's not able to do those things. He's not able to, hey, I'm going to roll out. I know Tyreek Hill is going to be downfield in this spot. I'm just going to chuck it there. He's just going to go get it. That's the kind of chemistry and belief that Patrick Mahomes had with his receiving core. He knew, and he had the balls to make those, quote-unquote, stupid throws, and he makes them look easy, effortless, and simple. Kirk doesn't have that gene in him, and I think we need to really temper some of those expectations. Drew um, <laughs> puts in the chat, 38 touchdowns, forty-seven hundred yards, 9 picks, 6 rushing yards. Oh, yep, that sounds like a Dan Marino stat line if I've ever heard one. Um, we, just, we need to temper the expectations for him to really take a step because, Dave, you've heard it your entire life, and so have I. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Kirk Cousins is 34. He's been a starting quarterback for the majority of the last, what, 20 years of his life? How are we going to expect him to not expect perfection? Like, we need to temper those expectations and hope that within the constructs of the Kevin O'Connell offense, he's able to manipulate the situation enough so Kirk can really take a step as far as getting easy, more open throws. Look how open Cooper Cup was last year. He was inarguably the best receiver in the national football league. He was wide open half the time because it was designed. If you get Justin Jefferson open like that all the time, Kirk's going to make those throws. Why? Because they're going to be easy. They're going to be simple. He's not going to have to worry about staying risk averse because there's not going to be a lot of risk to it. And that was something somebody else mentioned in the chat earlier. Um, Risk averse. Mm -hmm. That's what he is.
1: As long as he doesn't have a center in his lap.
0: Yeah, and uh, Garrett Bradbury is somebody that I know, people that we really respect have a high opinion on. And they did a great job last year of making Brian Allen a good center, which is pretty impressive considering he had a lot of the same issues that Garrett Bradbury did. Now, I don't know if Bradbury can ever take a step. He's got short arms. He does not have a lot of sand in the pants. Dave, he just gets trucked. I don't know if maybe he just needs to uh, work every single set with his butt at a 90-degree angle like <laughs> no. so then he, he can't get shoved up no. and he's the one doing the shoving. Uh-uh. Like, well, but you, you see my point because if he's down low enough, he can't get trucked because they're not going to be able to get low enough to lift him. And I,
1: well, I yeah, don't. Technique. Oh, you improve his technique and he's going to do better. Mm-hmm. He's also put on some weight supposedly. That's going to help but if you if you, if he improves his technique and that comes through coaching the right type of coaching if they can improve that he will do better then also take you have Ezra Cleveland on his left who takes a step on up up on his play and then whoever it is on his right i have my favorite but whoever wins that right guard can hopefully help fortify that and and hopefully that's part of the thinking the whole you know Kevin O'Connell and how he wants to run the offense that that will help Kirk Cousins if they can fortify that purple Hayes, Ezra didn't look all that great he was he was adequate he was fair and he was only in his second year So, and he was improving, improved over right guard position. He was drafted as a tackle. He became a decent left guard. Well, that's improvement. Now he's going into his third season, first one coming back in the same position. I expect Mm -hmm. an even further step. And generally with linemen, it takes three years minimum before they start to really get it. And then they're not reaching their primes until their upper 20s. So I'm I'm quite pleased with Ezra Cleveland. I don't think Ezra is going to be the issue. I worry about who's going to be playing right guard. That's one of those things I'm excited to see is the competition at right guard.
0: Oh, I'm excited to see the competition at right guard. I really want to see if Chris Reed gets an opportunity to play uh, center. And we talked we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be a really fascinating one. But I've said plenty about Kirk Cousins. Uh, Honestly, I could talk about Kirk Cousins for an entire show. But I don't think the people want to hear that for the bazillionth time. We're going to continue talking about the future. And that's kind of what we did with Kirk Cousins and this quarterback tier list. It's kind of projecting out the future for this year. But at the same time, Vikings signed a player today. Yes, they did. Tight end, Sean Boyer from the University of Iowa. He spent a lot of his time behind Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, both of whom went in the first round in the twenty nineteen draft. Like really, really good football players. Boyer uh, was able to start in twenty twenty after they had left, and it's it was a it was a tough one because Boyer like you you could say hey um, he. Didn't really get a lot of opportunity because of who was in front of him. But at the same time, he just didn't end up being very good. And that's why he was available. Um, could he be somebody? Genuinely don't know. I have not had a chance to watch his film. What I do understand about him is he's an okay-ish route runner. He's not a phenomenal athlete, but he can high high point a football. He tested an 83rd percentile relative athletic score. Really good short shuttle. Okay 10-yard split. Good size. I don't know if there's anything really special about him. Um, And we're going to see more and more and more as far as projecting out once we, uh, once we see uh, some training camp practices. Yes. Both Ingram and Booth did sign their rookie deals. Um, I think the issue with Booth was um, some guaranteed money in year four, which some second round picks are getting now. And then Ingram, I think every, yeah. Um, No, year four. Um, And then I, yeah, big deal. Um, I think the highest was um. It wasn't Christian Watson. Who, uh, Logan Hall got two hundred fifty-five thousand guaranteed in year four. Um, it's a big deal. That, um, that, and then, just, just
1: getting guarantees passed into three years for somebody drafting the second round is a lot. But normally it's a year and a half, two years, two and a half years. Uh it just—it's amazing. I looked into Sean Buyer. Sean Buyer on the players on the screen, is number 88. He played a grand total Mm -hmm. of 61 snaps last year, his rookie year. He was targeted on three passes. He caught two of them. One of them, Mm -hmm. where this picture was taken, he scored a touchdown on. That's it. Uh, His run-blocking grades were pathetic. His pass-blocking grades were decent. But you got to remember when you're looking at a tight end in PFF and looking at their grades and you see pass blocking, it can mean pass blocking at the line, right? Protecting your quarterback, but it could also be because they have the receiver component of it could be downfield pass blocking like a receiver does. So it's 61 snaps. Isn't a big sample size whatsoever. He made Mm -hmm. it to the Broncos practice squad last year. And uh, they obviously released him at the end of the year. New coach didn't want him. Vikings just picked him up.
0: Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fits. Um, I don't know if he'll make the team. I would suspect that he doesn't. But tight end is a very, very fluid position after Irv Smith Jr. Really, if anybody makes the team outside of Irv Smith Jr., it would not be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's, uh, let's kind of move forward, Dave. Um, players that uh, we are excited to see in training camp. And there's a few guys that I, I mentioned to you earlier today. And the first one I want to talk about is Andrew Booth Jr. Um, I'm really excited to see what this young man can do, especially because he is cleared to practice. He basically played his entire career at Clemson with a sports hernia. A very, very, very impressive feat. And he was a ball hawk. Really good at uh, doing a backpedal and then exploding to uh, make a pass break up. Um, Really, really cool. Really good player. And he's got ball skills. He's also has size, like speed. He has a whole package. Can he keep it together? Can he stay healthy enough? Um, There were some concerns with his knee, which he had surgery on. As a younger player, I believe he was 18. Um, To my knowledge, that shouldn't become an issue. Will it be an issue? I genuinely don't know. I am not a doctor, but from everything I know, it, that should be in the clear because it was like uh, a patella tendon and they uh, they kind of figured it out early. Um, Booth is going to be competing with uh, players like Cameron Dancer, Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan. He's going to be competing with those guys for playing time and nothing's going to be given to him. He's a second round pick. They have two incumbents ahead of him. So he's going to have to earn everything he gets, which at this point in his development and where the Vikings are at, I think that's a good thing. Not having to rely on him is a net positive because you don't necessarily want to count on a rookie right away, especially a corner, because the entire point of corner is to lose as little as possible because you're going to get beat. You're going to lose battles. And that can really destroy the psyche of a young man to consistently lose early on in your career when you don't need to be playing. So I'm very intrigued to see how they bring him along, how they utilize him. Will they be comfortable putting him in the slot? Something he didn't really do at Clemson, but I believe he has some of the tools in order to be an effective slot corner. I just don't know if it's necessarily the best way to try and develop this young man. Um, How excited are you to see Andrew Booth Jr., Dave?
1: Oh, I'm I'm really curious because if anything – if he hits, even if he takes a while to develop and get on the field, if he hits, that locks down that you know that important corner position for a while. Because I think this will probably be Patrick Peterson's last year with the Vikings, um, and he could step into that. He does have the ability from the what I saw, and pre, you know, and all my prep for the draft. To become a lockdown corner in this league. I hope he reaches that potential. So I'm excited to see what he does. I'm also excited to see Danzler, And I'm excited to see a reinvigorated Pat Peterson. I want to see the best corners possible out there. And if he could play nickel. That's a tough spot to play. Um, But. I wish him well. If he could play it better than Sullivan, by all means. If he could play it better than Hairston, by all means. Well, like I said on my show, I don't care if it's Sullivan, Harrison, Booth, or if they bring Bynum or uh, Seen down into that spot. I want the best, when they play nickel, the best five defensive backs we've got out there to uh, achieve the most optimum defensive play.
0: Dave, I 100% agree. You want the best players to be on the field, but you just have to be careful with corners, offensive linemen, and quarterbacks to make sure that you don't put them in positions to fail and ruin their psyche. You have to make sure that they are mentally ready for that because, like you said, especially with corner, you are going to lose, and you have to be able to shake it off more than any position in football.
1: And plus, Shane is talking about – He hopes to see Booth on one side, Dantzler on the other, and have Pat P come in relief. Zimmer did start a corner rotation. I I think that is a wise move to keep legs fresh, especially going into the latter part of the games.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. Um, Let's move on to my number two, Dave. And then once I kind of run through my list, I want to hear about yours because I know – I know you are. Oh, I know you do, and you have to pick some non-rum bellies. That's that's the whole point of this. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, it is. You have to deal with it. Um, the second one for me is Jalen Naylor, the rookie wide receiver out of Michigan State. One thing that was really intriguing to me is how this regime was going to treat BC Johnson. And uh, Locked On Vikings host Luke Braun pointed this out <laughs> to me because I thought. Naylor would get the advantage over BC because he is the pick of the staff. They picked him. This regime picked him. And nobody is left from when they picked BC Johnson. And Johnson himself is coming off of a torn ACL. But Johnson has already been running as wide receiver for. He has the support of Kirk Cousins. And Johnson was a very capable player in his first couple of seasons. Um, He would have been a contributor last year. Uh, if it weren't for the torn ACL. But Naylor has arguably the best deep threat ability. Now, can Thielen go deep? Yes. Not as well as he used to, but he can. Jefferson can too. That is also not his bread and butter. The bread and butter for Naylor is a deep ball target. He's got 4-4 speed. He has the ability to, to be quick, separate, and break away. And then he knows how to track the football. Naylor using that ability um, can really be a big impact on this offense because of what he is. And you need that guy to take the top off of the defense considering the receivers that you have. Justin Jefferson is an explosive-style possession receiver. That's kind of how I'm describing it because he's not a true possession guy. Like Late-stage Chris Carter was a possession guy. Um, he's going to uh, get open in the short and intermediate levels of the field and get you first downs. Uh, Jefferson is more explosive than that, but he kind of does some of the same things, except he just works farther down the field. You're, when you're doing deep shots with him, it's more like deep overs. You're not doing so many go routes. You're trying to find ways to get him the ball in space in the middle of the field. And that's why I kind of consider him a explosive style of that possession wide receiver. Naylor's going to take the top off and that's what he's going to be great at. He's not going to be so great at the intermediate stuff. He, he can take screens. He can do slants and he's going to go, go, go. Um, and that was one of the things I kind of had with Jamar Chase in the 2021 draft class. That was basically him slants, goes, screens. And that was pretty much all he did. And he was so great at it and he's been able to develop, um, he's been able to develop that aspect of his game. Drew, Chris Carter was never a true burner, but he was never slow. I would consider him fast. So there, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know.
1: Fun with Ted and Drew is getting some love, Vikings Report. Obviously in the chat, it's another fun show to watch uh, twice a week. And if Mm -hmm. you like to laugh and you get into old 70s and 80s, sitcoms, you will bust up. Those guys kept me in stitches for years.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I gotta say, Dave, they love the flow. Yeah. And I and on, I know uh, Toon Says doesn't believe that I don't do anything, but this is <laughs> natural. Like, I blow-dry it, I use hairspray, shampoo, conditioner. That's it. Super fun. But uh, as we continue to move on, please do watch um, Vikings Report. They're a good group of guys. And I had a great time when I was on, on their show. We talked about a lot of flair. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and Toots just uh, puts that show together and wrangles those cats like no other. She does a great job.
0: Oh, yeah. And they, they aren't easy cats to wrangle. They are, no. <laughs> they are wild men. Trust me, in I know. all the best ways. Oh, I know you do, Dave. Um let, so let's let's kind of continue here moving forward. Who's your third with. one? My third one. Drum roll please. Christian Darisaw. We didn't get a lot from Darisaw last year. Uh he's really started at week 6 and at, like after that point he had um he had some success and he had a he had some flaws as well. But the real issue with Darasa was we didn't get to see him in camp. We didn't get to see him in preseason. And he didn't get a lot of run early because of that core muscle surgery. And that was something that Andrew Booth Jr. had a second procedure on. One of the reasons why he still wasn't cleared until just recently. That's why he didn't test. So Darasa, I want to see how he does in camp. I want to see him progress. I want to see him fight against Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith rep in and rep out. I want to see him grow, develop, win battles, lose battles. When you lose those battles, how are you going to come back from it? Are you going to use the same methods? Are you going to evolve how you're trying to attack the defender? And are you going to be able to implement that with success? I want to see all those things. And the only way to really see it is to be out on the field. That's something that saw is finally going to be this camp. And he's going to be able to hopefully take that next step. And I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes. Because uh, Brandon Thorne, Trench Warfare, if you haven't checked it out, Brandon Thorne is the foremost expert on offensive linemen um, among everybody in the market. All right, Brandon Thorne is the best. He has Brian O'Neill as the number five right tackle in football. That's high praise. O'Neill, we know, is a great football player. If Darisaw can be... A fringe top 10 left tackle. The Vikings have a bookend tackles that are really, really good for the first time since Stussy and Stringer because Lodeholt and McKinney were never quite at a level where you could call them that. Lodeholt was always serviceable and capable. And quite frankly, looked a little bit like Christian Derrissaw except with about 20 more cheeseburgers. (laughs) Um, But like they were just, they never really got to that peak. And I think Darison O'Neill can get to where Stusey and Stringer were at their peaks. And that's a very, very exciting thing. Cause as much as Vikings fans like to kind of crap on Todd Stucy, Dave, he was really good. Uh, he just, at the end of his career, he got a lot of those holding penalties and then Stringer, obviously, um, really, really sad and unfortunate that he passed, um, one way too early and two in the way that he did. Yep. Um, because he had a chance to potentially, uh, you know, it's maybe a little hyperbolic, but he had, he was on a track where if he kept progressing, he had an opportunity to make the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. because he was that kind of talent. He had he had already had that kind of success, and he was so young. Um, Purple Hayes talks about this, and I wanna I want to get your opinion, Dave, because this is I'm gonna be honest, I don't understand this, and I, I want your opinion. Purple Hayes says, don't overplay Christian Derriss on preseason just to be safe. Now, I don't, like, what's your take on that? Because I don't I don't really see it being an issue. We have the core muscle injury already taken care of. Um, it's, in theory, not coming back, and that's something that should be a lingering concern. Like, you know, oh, I pulled my hamstring three weeks ago, and I have, I have to really be careful. Like, do you believe it that... The Vikings should really be that cautious with Darisa outside of just your normal usage of a first teamer in preseason?
1: Mm-mm. No, I I think he's perfectly fine. There's uh and I advocated yesterday, even if they don't play a whole lot in the preseason, the first stringers, because that's what you know Kevin O'Connell came from. Don't play your starters a lot. I do. I said yesterday, I do want that starting line to play a lot or to play significant time. I want them playing longer than just, you know, when Kirk Cousins is back there. Because, one, it's going to be good for Mond um, if he comes in and takes snaps with the first team. Two, it takes time for the offensive linemen to gel and come together and get that whole – Telepathy going and the side vision and knowing where everybody's going to build that chemistry, if you want to call it that, it takes time. And there's only twelve padded practices in a preseason, and um, training camp, and you got the three games. That's not a lot of a time, a lot of time for linemen to get everything into the groove. That's why football on week one is rusty right, across the NFL. And then week two, it's a little less rusty. Week three, a little less, right? And you don't settle in until you're week four, five, or six. Well, if you can get the big guys settled in earlier than that, you have an advantage. And since there will be at least one new player on that offensive line, I want that extra time. I'm not worried about Derrissaw and his injuries. I'm not worried about anybody on that offensive line and their injuries. They should all be healthy as of right now. Nothing that's, you know, nagging type stuff that can flare up. I want to see them play, which brings me to the right guard position, which I'm excited mm-hmm. to watch. I have a favorite player. We talked about Booth being a second rounder. Mine is Ed Ingram. Watching the tape on this kid, he has so much good technique, basis, the basics and technique that a lot of players don't have. Yes, he has some flaws. Yes, he can get better on his punches. Yes, he can do other things. But the technique, where he keeps his weight, and how he keeps his body, and everything else will help him, how he keeps squared up to the line most of the time. All that helps. I want to see this kid, because I think he can, win that. Right guard spot. And I think he has the ability to be extremely, extremely good for this team for a long time. That's my primary, what I'm really excited to see. Now, are there other positions? Yes, I can't all pick round bellies, but I want to see um, Zadarius Smith. I want to see Daniil Hunter coming back healthy. I think those two are going to be just playing off each other, and it's going to wreak all sorts of havoc. Darisaw and O'Neill are going to have their hands full. Those are going to be cool battles to watch against those edges. Um, I want to see how Hicks plays. I didn't see that many Cardinals games. I don't really know how good he is, other than what I can see on you know colored squares on PFF. I want to see how he impacts that defense. Bar is gone. We now have the linebacker duo, for the most part, of Kendricks and Hicks. Yes, I know there's three linebackers that are supposed to be back there, middle linebackers, interior linebackers. Uh, But uh, I expect a lot of times there'll be a nickel, and the linebacker's the one that suffers. Um, You have your draft choice out of Oklahoma that's probably going to be your third linebacker. So I'm looking to see that stuff excites me. How are those guys going to play? And then lastly, the whole Bynum and Seen thing. I think Scene's going to probably earn the starting position. But I think Bynum's good enough to earn the starting position. We know Hitman is borderline Hall of Fame. So it's going to be how Ed Donatel uses those guys. I can't wait to find out. It should be fun.
0: Oh, 100%. I am very excited for this training camp, Dave. We are going to have a ton of fun covering this team throughout the year. And I want to throw an interesting one here, kind of as we wrap this up. One battle that I'm really, really, really intrigued to see is how safety and nickel shape up. Because the Vikings could easily go with three safeties for those spots. And we could see a guy like Shannon Sullivan completely miss out because Cam Bynum was successful in the slot. You have Lewis Seen, um, and then Harrison Smith is obviously going to lock down one of those safety spots. How they utilize those players, especially with the ability to stay multiple, which in this 3-4 style defense, you want the ability to stay multiple because it keeps people guessing. If you're on the field and you have to think you've already lost, you need to process so fast and understand what's going on real quick, and if you're able to confuse them with multiple styles of looks and how you run things, it's going to be inherently great. Right, and if it's the three
1: safeties and you don't know which one's coming down or two come down, which one's going back, throw on top of that um, Zadarius Smith in a rover position, lining up anywhere he wants to, right, and Daniil probably flip-flopping on the opposite side, it's going to cause headaches and offensive coordinators absolute headaches to try to figure out you know what the heck is going on. It could be it could be besides fun to watch, if it works right, it could be absolutely special.
0: Mhm. It absolutely could and next week we're going to talk a lot about the first week of training camp and we're going to start getting ramped up for the Vikings' first preseason game, which I believe, Dave, is Thursday the 11th. Now, I, I could be wrong on that date, but that that date resonates with me.
1: Uh, oh, let's see if I've got the schedule handy. I'm not quite sure. I don't think it was a Thursday.
0: Maybe, maybe no. Thursday the 11th is a Hall of Fame game. Um,
1: no. Um, at- there is games I think the 11th our first game is Sunday August 14th okay well it's the, it's the very one of the very last games of week one preseason Hall of Fame game is what it's the first week of August
0: no hundred percent it's we're getting really close and it's it's really exciting um, and I want to pick your brain here on one thing before we go, because Kyler Murray just signed a big extension. Um, And we got $160 million guaranteed. But the really fascinating part, Dave, is he has a independent study clause where he has to do four hours of independent study each week from the first week of training camp, sorry, first Monday of training camp, all the way through the final week of the season. Meaning... The Cardinals are going to give him something to study, and he has to do it, and he has to do it in the building. Dave, this is an unprecedented thing for a multitude of reasons, and I want happened. to pull up, uh, and I want to pull up a quote um, from Kyler Murray last year when he did an interview with the New York Times, uh, and he said. I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm not one of those guys who's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team watch every game because in my head, I see so much. Kyler Murray just told on himself, basically said, I don't grind film because I'm inherently talented. And this is something that when you are as talented as Murray, who is arguably the greatest high school football player, Of all time. And he was able to just beat people with his dominant arm and athleticism. Now he's in the NFL. Like in college, he apparently um, didn't watch film either. Now that he's in the pros, he's still not doing it. And he's still successful because he's Kyler Murray and he has the all-world talent. Now, what do you think about this clause that was put in for him? He has well, to do it. And the really interesting thing is, if he doesn't do it for a week, they can void his contract. It defaults. I,
1: I, I think it's brilliant on the Cardinals. And if they believe that he doesn't study, and obviously you gave his quote saying he doesn't, that this will force him to do that, I think that's probably, in the long run, going to be a benefit for him. Because he will learn how to study. Makes you question how he got through school, you know, um, taking biology 101. How are you going to pass it? Well, I'll just see the right answer. Uh-huh. Sure. He got his study. I don't know. It's interesting. It may make him a better quarterback overall as he goes through his career. And that would be great for him. As long as it's not when he plays the Vikings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's really an
0: interesting true. clause. I think it's fantastic.
1: And that'll give the yeah. Players Association something to argue about come the next contract, next CBA.
0: Which is interesting because Murray agreed to it. So I don't know how the Players Association is really going to fight this because it was agreed to by both parties. It wasn't like a poison pill, like where it's harm. Like, well, I, I get where you're coming from. Well, Dave, but we're not they could
1: argue for the next one that you can't put in something
0: like that. Yeah, Which I'm seems
1: told. to me he's an employee of the Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. If they say part of your job is to study four hours a week, you study. I mean, you're on the liquor store for three more days. When you first started out, they were teaching you, you've got to learn these shelves. You've got to learn the way we do things. You've got to do If you work for McDonald's, they send you to McDonald's U. To learn how, you know, flip burgers. How to do this. How to, I don't even think they flip them anymore. Um, but back in the day, it was, this is how the machines work. This is how you clean the machines. You went through and you had to study. If they feel it's necessary for him to study, that he's lacked it. And that may be the difference between barely making the playoffs and going a long way. I think it's a great idea by the Cardinals. I think I applaud him. Hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out um, I want to uh, give a shout out uh, Shane Jackson, first time tuning in Already liked and subscribed Thank you very much, we greatly yes. appreciate it if, if you like what we do here at, at Climbing the Pocket and the Daily Norseman Where we just tell you exactly what we think We don't water it down We don't um, We're not biased We're just going to tell you exactly how we feel about this team and that's, I think, one of the things that really makes this outlet special because, um, that <laughs> drew Kyler also needs to bring his booster yeah, to the meeting the, the team down. will no longer provide it. Uh, that that, that was pretty good. Um, everybody, if you ever meet me, you'll need a, a booster just to stand up and look me in the eye. So just something to remember. Um, We greatly appreciate it, guys. If you would uh, like and subscribe, it makes a really big difference for us. It It tells uh, everybody the work that we're doing. It helps the algorithms and it helps expose this show and our other great shows on the network, including Dave's own two old bloggers to everybody. And this season, Dave and I are in talks of how we're going to handle pregame show. We're going to add a betting component so we can help uh, everybody here make a little bit of extra money um, by placing smart bets on Minnesota Vikings games. And that is going to be coming down the pipeline, and we are going to have a lot of great content, including this week, Dave. We have the return of Vikings Happy Hour.
1: That we do. Purple Haze was talking about Monster Beers. Uh, Wednesday, I will have the beer out, and we will be drinking because
0: Vikings Happy Hour will be open. Wednesday, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really exciting to see them back. Vikings Hot Takes will be back soon. Same with In the Huddle, but you and I, Dave, uh, the flagship holding the down may the network. Not be. So, well, it yeah, not at all,
1: possibly, but we also have a couple guys wanting to join the network, so we're not going to be without shows. And then on mm-hmm. Saturday, we'll have two shows. We're going to have the real Forno in his pregame show. And you're going to have two old bloggers in their pregame show. And I don't know which one's going to come first, but they are going to meet in the middle. So like on a typical Saturday, one show handoff to the other, we are going to cover your game day, get you ready for it. Um, Like no other network, no other fan network out there. Does it is going to do it like we do it? So yep, we look forward to it. Things are going to ramp up. Some of the podcasts are going to ramp up. The podcasts only, and uh, we're going to have a great
0: time. We're going to have an excellent time, and the best part about this is it's ramping up to hopefully a successful Viking season. Yes, because uh, life is good, uh, and in the meantime. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. Please keep an eye on Climbing the Pocket. And all of my work, as I can, As I unfortunately have to shift away from NBC Sports Edge, um, they are eliminating the college football department. So um, I have some exciting things to announce here over the next couple of weeks. Please pay attention to that. Also, please go check out the Run and Shooter, my Substack runandshooter.substack.com. And I have stuff going up there every Friday. I have a weekly column, and then I'll be posting stuff throughout the week, including links to everything that I publish um, on all my different sites. So you'll have a one-stop shop in order to check that out. That's Dave, good stuff. It is, and I and I'm very excited to be able to be uh, to call myself full time. Come Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central, it's going to be a wonderful thing. In the meantime. Thank you very much for listening and watching here live on this beautiful Monday. And from Dave, myself, have a wonderful night. Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings! (laughs) Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe,
1: and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing. Home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull everybody.